Hello, hello, welcome to the TF1 Podcast. This is your host, Trey. We are back for another GP review, and this is going to be the Italian GP. Let's go. So welcome, everybody. We are back to another GP review, and this is, of course, the Italy GP and the track in Monza. This is always... Um, as we always say every single year, this is a weekend as race fans we look forward to. It's not just us, the race fans, but you're talking about the passionate Ferrari fans. We're talking about the Tifosi. Um, and this track being the, the fastest track on the calendar, usually called the Temple of Speed, you know, most of these cars are on full throttle we're talking about 70, 75% of the entire lap, you know? So for a combination of reasons, um, this one is the one you circle around the calendar, not just if you're Ferrari, but just in general, people love the atmosphere, okay? So let's get right into it, Be you know, before getting into the race analysis, as I do um, all the time, I give you guys the background to Friday practice and Saturday qualifying. Um, one of the things before we even, you know, really talk about practice and qualifying, one of the big uh, news items that hit was the announcement from Mercedes that they have uh, concluded contract uh, extensions for both their drivers, so for Hamilton and Russell. Now, this piece of news, of course, is not, you know, a shocker to anybody. We had been expecting that. And by all accounts, actually, uh, Russell's contract was done quite um, quite a few months back, okay? Um, you know, if you think about both drivers and if you think about Mercedes, I mean, out of anybody in the paddock, it, you know, there's just no... Um, you know, there's no, there's nothing to debate. There's nothing to think about. This is a great driver pairing. You've had Lewis Hamilton in the team forever, you know, and of course he's achieved marvelous things. Russell, not only being a support junior Mercedes driver before he even came to the team while he was in Williams, but we know just what a tremendous talent he is, what he brings. And of course, by all accounts, you know, you are talking about the person who Mercedes is gonna um, is gonna have at the forefront on that day that comes when Lewis Hamilton retires. And you know, if we had said those words, you know, five six years ago, of course we wouldn't even utter the words retirement. But now, at the age where Lewis Hamilton is, at the age where you know Fernando Alonso is, we got to keep in mind. These guys are, you know, of course, they're performing at a very high level, but they're on the back end of their contract. So keep that all in perspective. So it was announced. Again, it's not a shocker. We were expecting it, but it's still great to see. It gives the team stability. Now it's time to concentrate on getting Mercedes back to the forefront. That is... Uh, what Russell said in a press conference, Lewis Hamilton said there's unfinished business as far as, you know, of course, when he says that, we all immediately know what he's referring to as completing an eighth world championship, okay? So that was announced on Friday. Now, 
let's go back to the track. Of course, one of the things that was very evident was from first practice, Ferrari definitely had a lot of pace. And not only did Ferrari have pace, uh, Carlos Sainz was topping pretty much all the timesheets from the word go. So from first practice, you can see even now, even comparing the runs to Red Bull, which we always know, you know, every single track, they're going to be there and thereabouts, especially um, Max. But you can tell there was tremendous pace in that Ferrari, okay? So setting ourselves up before Saturday qualifying, um, and I, I tell you guys this every race weekend when I do this analysis, there are always pieces of information uh, when I do my research that we find out after the race that, you know, was not announced or that we didn't know um, prior or after the race. You know, there are just pieces of information. Sometimes it is for strategic reasons that the team withhold that information. And, you know, some other times, maybe it's something that happened in the race and we later find out some background information on it. So there's a variety of different reasons, but we always find out more information. And I say that to say when uh, when speaking about Ferrari, it's very interesting what I found out, uh, you know, between, of course, the race Sunday and today that the team was, when I say the team, I'm referring to Ferrari. Um, it's interesting when I give you guys this information, I am actually quite surprised that Ferrari were able to keep this piece of information close to their vest. This was very well insulated. And, you know, you guys who watch F1 closely, if I've missed it and it's been in the news, you guys write me on the TF1 podcast Twitter page or some other means that let me know. But as far as I know, th this piece of information was very well kept. And that is Ferrari, actually, what they did was they introduced new engines, fresh engines for specifically for this race. And mind you guys, like I said, a lot of times you'll find out what kind of updates teams have done. And again, I may have missed it and maybe it was announced, but I didn't see this piece of information anywhere. So that tells you guys Ferrari were very intentional that coming into this weekend in their home Grand Prix, you know that they've had a really tough year um, as far as results. They've been very inconsistent. You know, uh, both Sainz and, and uh, Leclerc have had, you know, if you look at, for example, the Zandvoort track just last week, they were nowhere. Uh, the, pa the pace of the car, by all admissions, uh, Carlos Sainz said they were actually the sixth fastest race car last weekend. Guys, I mean, that's not a typo. You're not, <laughs> you're not hearing this podcast wrong. Yeah, he said sixth fastest. And if you looked, looked at the times that were set, of course, there were weather considerations and, and all that with the rain on and off and changeable weather. We understand all that. But bottom line was what he said was a hundred percent accurate. They were sixth 
fastest last weekend, okay? So compare that coming to this weekend, and that's why I wanted to give you guys a background. This track, the Monza track, not only is it extremely fast, but we know it's a low downforce circuit, okay? And this is one of the few tracks that actually suits that Ferrari package, okay? So they made a calculated decision, and they brought a fresh um, new engine for both cars, and not only did they do that, and this goes back to guys what I said, they really kept this information hush hush. According to other team officials, okay, you know, and of course, remember now the competition has a lot of different ways of gauging what the power of the engine is because all of them keep a tap on what the other team does. Per team personnel from other teams, they also cranked up and they raised the power output of the engines to a level that teams most weekends will never do. So that tells you guys, Ferrari basically said, hey, this is one of our few chances in front of our home crowd. We are going to throw the kitchen sink. We're going to introduce new engines. We're going to turn the power to a level that the other teams don't. And that explains to you guys, and that leads us to what happened during qualifying on Saturday, okay? And if you look at the speed trap times, Ferrari on Friday and Saturday, they were right at the top. Usually, they don't even do that. In fact, in certain speed configurations, they were equal to or a little bit faster actually than the Red Bull okay so that sets you up really to understand now what's going to happen in qualifying what's going to happen in the race in qualifying it, it was a sensational battle and signs you know scored Ferrari's uh, qualifying of course the the Tifosi and the crowd went crazy so you had Carl, Carlos uh, signs in first position, Max in second, and then Charles in third. In third, okay. So that's number one and number three. And as I told you guys, they really optimized the car for this weekend, okay. So that is now setting up for us quite a spicy grid because, of course, you know Max is sandwiched in between two Ferraris. So immediately in my mind, I'm thinking, wow, okay, the start is going to be powerful because is Max going to dive? Is he going to take a risk or is Sainz going to be able to keep his line? Okay, so really exciting. Um, the crowd, of course, the hometown crowd was very excited. And so now coming to the race, we now see, you know, all of us are biting our our teeth and excited and before anything even gets away we have an anticlimactic uh, climatic moment because you have Yuki who has an issue with his car and the engine let out so you talk about all the nervousness all the anxiousness and then you suddenly cannot race because Yuki is now sidelined and they have to remove his car so you talk about, I mean, you know, if I felt like that in my home, in my own sofa, imagine what the drivers are feeling, I, I especially in front of your home crowd for Leclerc and Sainz. I, I mean, I'm nervous just sitting in my living room. I can't even imagine what the drivers felt, okay? So that start gets abandoned. 
And you know how it is, you know, for people who don't know with F1 cars, of course, it's not, you know, uh, the procedure that luckily those of us that have home cars, you just go in, you switch the engine off and you start it. Now all the mechanics have to come out. You have to connect different things to these F1 cars. So it's a whole process that they have to go through in order for you to fire up the engines again. So there's a lot of sequence of processes these guys have to go through to go ahead and, and make the start again, okay? So we had to go through that. And once the race began, you saw that um, pretty much Sainz and Max both had fantastic uh, getaways. They both had very good reaction time. In fact, when they put the second up, I believe Max's... Um, reaction time was about 0.2 0.3 seconds i mean very minute difference between them and so signs was able to keep his line uh, and max kind of slotted back and then of course you had the train of cars behind that and as i'm talking about the train of cars actually one thing i have to mention that i didn't when we talked about qualifying i gave you guys the top three I have to give an honorable mention to Russell in that Mercedes because Russell qualified his car fourth. We're talking about ahead of uh, the other Red Bull. Okay, he he qualified really ahead of quite a uh, a few cars. And Perez, you know, when I say the other Red Bull, of course, I'm referring to Perez. Perez was lower, I believe. He was starting from fifth. You know, Perez had another crash in in practice on friday so you know this continues you know it wasn't a huge compromising crash but this continues the form and the errors that have been happening all season that we've talked about okay so keep that in the back of your mind while we're talking about the start of the race right so you have to give kudos because russell was able to this wasn't necessarily a track that uh, suited the Mercedes package, nor did it suit the McLaren package. And we saw that just the configuration of this track. But this is again, a second weekend where Hamilton has had really bad qualifying and Russell has gotten the best out of the car. So I'll dive into that a little bit later on, but just keep that in the back of your mind. Okay. So as the race is going on now, you know, you're just seeing, okay, like we do on every other track, you're thinking, okay, science has this in control. Now, once DRS is enabled, the thing that's going through everybody's mind, how many laps is it going to take before Max is going to pressure signs? And you have to give so much credit because signs, you know, played just a masterful defense, you know, the top speed of these Ferraris with the combination I told you about the engine power with how streamlined the wings were, because again, this is a low downforce circuit, you know, he played defense, you know, track, I mean, uh, excuse me, lap after lap after lap. And what's interesting and what I have to mention is, you know, you can see how Max has matured as a driver because the old Max that we know, you know, he would have jeopardized his car. He would have maybe sometimes gotten frustrated if he can't make the move stick. 
And he may have done something silly that compromised his race. But this evolved driver that we see now, Max, <clears throat> he kept going lap after lap. And he's he's observing the back of the Ferrari. And you had some radio comments that um, Max was saying to his race engineer that, <clears throat> excuse me, they know that because, one, the Ferrari isn't as good uh, on its tires as the Red Bull is. So that's a known fact. And of course, Max and the team are aware of that. So it's just a matter of time. But two, in in addition to that, because Sainz had to play really aggressive defense, that's, you know, putting a wear and tear on your tire even more so than usual. So as opposed to the old Max, the, the new Max is patiently waiting. And believe it or not, guys, nobody, I don't think this season, has able to do this. Signs held Max off for 14 laps. And it may sound silly when we say this, but there's not pretty much anybody I can think of that's been able to withhold Max behind him, behind them for this long but he was max was patiently waiting and then there was a point you know and 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 this tells you the more mature you become as a driver you know these these guys in f1 the 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 attention to detail that they pay they know being behind the car they can tell when the back tires are now starting to lose grip and and max was radioing back going i can see that he's now lost the back tires and of course he said that on lap 14 as he's saying that to his race engineer i think he had he had finished that message signs actually going into a corner had a huge lockup and of course that was the moment it's like a shark seeing blood that enabled max to get the traction that he needed and imagine guys this is <laughs> This is how it is at the upper echelon of driving. That small one mistake, that split second, Max knew, okay, I'm going to dive on the outside. I now have the traction because of that mistake you made. And he came on the outside and he overtook him. And, of course, we all know what happens after that. Because even with the straight line speed that the Ferrari had, once Max made that, that move stick... It was game over. So now we are talking about, okay, the cars behind, what is going on behind? Because you have Charles Leclerc, you have Perez making up steps, um, you know, Russell, you know, Lewis Hamilton is all the way back in ninth. So now you have moving elements that's going on. And the, the battle is to see, okay, how is the Ferraris versus, um, you know, we have Perez, who's battling now Russell's Mercedes. Now, there was a good battle. Uh, you have to give credit to Russell, like I said, even in a track where we have now seen comprehensively over the last couple of races, if you talk about raw speed, with the exception of low downforce tracks like Monza, the Mercedes is clearly the second fastest car, okay? And then there's certain tracks that the McLaren you can debate are, is pretty close, and then you may have the Austin Martin slot in fourth position. But in this race, you know the advantage was with with the cars up front. So Russell did a really good battle, 
and while he was doing the battle, what was interesting is, you know, um, Perez kept on coming on the radio, um, and he did that multiple times with multiple drivers, and he was saying he was pushed off, you know, there's that that corner that has the runoff area, and that, that chicane, I know a lot of people say that has to be one of the worst chicanes, uh, because it's such a tough corner for the drivers to make, but... You know, Russell went off on that one. Perez went off on that multiple times, at least three different times. And there was one point he was saying he was pushed off by Russell. And he, like, Checo complained so much. And I think it's the pressure he was feeling this race because, yet again, you know, he didn't qualify front. So he knew that he had to get a good result. But it, he came on the radio so many times to complain. There was one point where he said he got pushed off that absolutely was not true. And even his race engineer didn't even respond to that. You know, it was just absolute nonsense. So, you know, I, I understand, again, we're, we're watching, you know, the TV from our, the comfort of our home. But Perez has to cut this off. This constant, constant, constant complaint did not do him any good, you know, it didn't get the FIA officials to look at anything, you could just tell he was really pressed, so he was trying to complain about every single thing, so that was a turn off, but regardless, he still made the position stick, and so he made that happen, now, we're talking about the different drivers, Williams and Albon, I have to mention them while I'm talking about the race, you, uh, you know, it's been now how many weeks in a row I have been uh, really singing the praises of Albon, and that needs to happen because what he's doing in that Williams car is just absolutely amazing. It's unfortunate because that's also um, really showing us how the his teammate, Logan Sargent, you know, of course, it's his rookie year. We understand that, but... He has really had a tough time. And, and what Albon is able to do now is making him look even worse. So there's been a lot of errors the last couple of weeks. So Logan Sargent hasn't looked good. But this Williams car in low downforce, I tell you what, it has been really impressive this weekend. It has very, um, very impressive top Top end speed. I mean, you're talking about even compared to the mother team, even compared to Mercedes, who, you know, of course, makes the engines. The thing and the setup that's different is, you know, the Williams is, is very slow in the corners. So when you come to a track that has very few corners and it's just about straight line speed with that low wing configuration, that suits Williams quite well. So they were doing a great job with Albin. You know, here's another race weekend where this young man is really impressing us. I like the direction that Williams is going under Vals. And I told you guys this last race as well. He's brought a calmness. And they have a really decent car. Especially when you compare to a team like Haas that, you know, has two decent drivers. But they are just going nowhere. And it's a shame because, you know, again, they have good drivers, but there's no development coming. I would think the best thing for them is really to concentrate on next year because that car is absolutely nowhere. So you have to mention that. But so you going back to the race now, you have very interesting racing. 
and you can see now the battle is starting to brew because again you have the two Ferraris um, Ferrari and I told you guys what they did as far as preparing the car but it wasn't just preparing the car their mindset for this weekend you can tell was we are gonna throw the kitchen sink we have nothing to lose we haven't had a good season so in front of our fans we're gonna go throw the kitchen sink and what they did was that wasn't just limited to how they set up the car and the engine they also applied that with their strategy and they usually don't do that so they went ahead and went for the undercut they executed that well so that was putting pressure on other teams like you know the like red bull and max verstappen so they had to react to that now the the thing that you couldn't predict was okay so now charles leclerc and carlos Sainz, you know now you have the of course the pressure like i said from the up and coming perez who definitely wants to break into that top three marker right so as that is happening you now see perez making moves and after all his complaints he goes ahead and takes over the third position while he does that a little bit down the order, I have to talk about McLaren because Piastri and Lando Norris had an interesting race. I told you guys, pace-wise, the car wasn't really there. Um, they really struggled, but something happened during the race. And when they timed um, the, the both McLarens going into the pits and coming out, the drivers Piastri and Lando Norris actually touched okay they they actually touched and they were both lucky it actually didn't damage the, you know both their cars and they're out and i i wanted to touch on this because this is important and you know i don't know if the race directors necessarily picked up on that i think they briefly showed it but after the race uh the head of mclaren stella he made a comment and he was really stern and i agree with him 100 percent. you know of course, he what he said was we you know we understand as race drivers they're gonna go at it, but the line is you you cannot touch. That's unacceptable. You know you can be as competitive as you want, and he also mentioned team strategy wise. If we executed that strategy too close to where they they came out, you know, in very similar fashion. He mentioned we have to look back at that, you know, and see if there's anything that we could do better, which which is a very astute and mature way of looking at it. And I agree with Stella 100 percent. But that's a noteworthy moment. Now, Piastri, as I'm going to come to, that's not the only incident he had in the race, which is crazy. But so that was uh, not necessarily well received. Norris really struggled. Um, I believe he was out qualified. So, he, uh, you know, this is not what we expect from Norris. He's kind of had two weekends now where he hasn't necessarily been at his best. Um, but, yeah, that was the comment that came from their team boss. So they they really need to watch that because that could have derailed both their races. Now, I mentioned Piastri and said... That was not the only incident he had. So while Lewis was battling and making up, now remember, you know, starting from ninth, tenth position, I believe is ninth. I, you know, when I talk about Lewis, because he had a get together with Piastri, okay, and that could have been another disastrous move 
um, that could have taken Lewis Hamilton out. It absolutely derailed Piastri because Piastri was actually in the points and ahead of Norris. And after that contact with Lewis, he completely dropped down the line because he had to come in the pits. He had damage. And he went from being in the points to finishing way, way down the order. So that was a very costly mistake. And until I had a chance to kind of see replays, I didn't know whose fault it was. But in, in hindsight, when I looked at it, unfortunately, that was a move that was not well executed by Hamilton. And in fact, Hamilton ended up getting a five second penalty. Okay. So. That really kind of drives me to, speaking of Hamilton, it's a good moment at at the onset of the podcast. I said to you guys, there's a worrying trend that I'm seeing with Hamilton, okay? Um, Prior to the summer break, Hamilton really had the upper hand over Russell as far as performance, having very solid performances. Russell was a little bit struggling with the car. And after the summer break, There's actually been a difference in approach that Russell has, and Russell has really now um, grabbed, you know, the neck of the car. He's getting the maximum out of it on Saturdays and Sundays, and the exact opposite is having is is excuse me is happening with Lewis. And when you think about, you know, coming into this race, speaking of Lewis, there was some interesting quotes that came out and and usually I typically you know don't necessarily unless it's super important and they make the headlines um I don't repeat them on the podcast but this made a lot of headlines so I'll say this to you guys um Lewis was mentioning as far as you know um teammates that he's had in the past okay this is prior to the race he mentioned that you know, compared to Max, he's had much more tougher and much more decorated teammates than than Max Verstappen has. <clears throat> now, of course, when Max was asked um, about this and he was given this quote and asked, what does he think of it? You know, Max's response was interesting. He said, well, maybe all this winning that we're doing, um, you know, this is kind of making Lewis jealous of what we're achieving as a team was Max's response. And, you know, this all ties together. This is why I'm mentioning this to you guys. But my take on that whole thing is just for me personally, and again, this goes back to the slump and the difficulty currently that Hamilton is experiencing. My whole thing is what a waste of energy if if you're Hamilton. You know, like, I I don't think um, Hamilton's uh, statement is wrong, by the way. I agree with Hamilton. I think he's had the stronger of teammates than Max has. But whether you've had the stronger teammates or not, what difference does that make for the season? Like, why is it necessary for you to take a shot at a guy who has broken yet another record this race, and I'll get into that a little bit after we conclude, uh, you know, kind of the the race analysis portion. But to me, it's just you have bigger fish to fry. You are now two weekends in a row. We're seeing a mistake in the race. You've been out qualified 
by your teammate. This is not the peak Hamilton that we're used to, that doesn't make mistakes, that is qualifying high. Those things are not happening. And instead of concentrating on, on those things, you're now trading banter against a guy who's breaking records almost every other week. So I won't spend too much time on it. Like I said, to me, it was very unnecessary. Um, this is not the Lewis Hamilton I'm used to. Um, to me, you're taking a shot at a guy who's in the history books. It, it, to me, it's just not necessary. It's a waste of energy. So, um, yeah, I just wish Lewis would leave that alone. The thing you have to concentrate on is your car has pace. Your teammate is doing a better job than you the last couple of weeks. And it's not often that we say that. So he needs to get back in the horse and, and really leave this off the field, what I call off the track, off the field situation alone. That's my opinion. Okay. But going back to the race. So he gets the penalty. And now this is creating, as I said to you guys at the beginning of the race, this is creating a worrying trend for Hamilton where he's now spatially having issues and, you know, last year there were at least two or three occasions. Um, one stands out where opening lap, he had one with Alonzo where the car was flying up and his race was never the same again. So, you know, errors happen to all drivers, but Lewis is making most of them and we're not used to that. So I hope that turns around. OK, but Lewis was able to to climb up a little bit and he actually ended up in sixth position. But. Um, the main, the main thing out of the race, especially as we were getting to the final part of the race was absolutely the battle that we saw, okay, between Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. And I'll tell you guys, I mean, you know, I, it's just unbelievable First off, I think they they put out a great display because both the drivers wanted it. You know, they you can tell they both wanted to be on the podium. Looking back now, I think it was a huge risk because, boy, they were close on several occasions where they could have wiped each other out. And that would have been a crying moment for all those thousands of fans that were there. As a fan, they gave us one of the most entertaining Monza races that I can think of in recent history. Um, I don't know, even though they didn't win, I'm talking about Ferrari, even though we understand that Red Bull finished first and second, I mean, let the record show that was a very impressive showing by uh, Ferrari, by Carlos Sainz, by Charles Leclerc, and you know, this is the Carlos Sainz that we haven't seen in a while. This is the Carlos Sainz from the McLaren days. Carlos, when he hooks everything up, is 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 a fantastic driver. And we've, we've had a lot of inconsistency from him. But when he does hook it up, this is the guy that we saw in the McLaren that was out driving the car. And they were... It was nerve-wracking at times, and one of the, I say a funny moment, but I know for the Ferrari pit wall, this wasn't funny. A race engineer actually came onto Charles Leclerc and said, do not risk anything. 
And literally after he said that, Charles Leclerc sends the car and has one of the biggest lockups I've ever seen on an F1 car. He lit up four tires, not just one, not just the back two tires. He lit up the entire car and he was almost on the back of Carlos Sainz's car. And this was after you were told to cool it and not risk it that you did <laughs> that you did that move. So you talk about irony. The team is telling you to not risk it, and you basically almost are on the backside of, of the Carlos Sainz's car. So that would have ended in tears. But that was just it's funny now, but it wasn't funny then. But I, you have to give kudos to the team. From a team perspective, to be truly honest, um, I think they risked a little too much. You may have even Carlos Sainz came on the radio and said, hey, you know, let hey, we, we, we got to cool it now. The Charles Leclerc is being too aggressive. You know, in so many words, he was saying that, which I don't blame him. But. Carlos Sainz did not have one lap the entire race to rest. You know, from lap one to the, the end of that race, he put everything on the line. So did Charles Leclerc. So I really want to congratulate these guys. Again, you know, the podium for Carlos Sainz, you know, uh, Charles Leclerc missed out on the podium. But just as a team, Ferrari did not, has not had a lot of good, you know, good, moments and this was they put on a show so i gotta give them credit for that so that was interesting and that was fantastic okay i will say real quick to you guys and again you can put this news in a category that we didn't know about for i i found out something really interesting this is after the race carlos signs we can almost got derailed because when he went back to the hotel um, they had a thief that attempted to steal his Richard Milley watch, which was worth 235,000 pounds, okay? Now, you guys may or may not be aware, but these Richard Milley watches have really got these F1 drivers in problems because Lando Norris, as you guys recall, had his Richard Milley stolen, and he was at a, a very... Um, packed and busy soccer match um charles leclerc has had his richard milley almost stolen you're now talking about three or four incidents different incidents where these guys have been targeted for their richard milley watches so from what i found out what what happened was um carlos Sainz and his team uh, this has a good ending guys they tracked down uh, the thieves or the thief and they actually retrieved that watch so this happened on Sunday so this almost derailed his weekend so that was something crazy I found out okay so just with Max finishing we're now talking about you know I mentioned record-breaking almost every week and I know sometimes we're now starting to get almost uh, Max Verstappen fatigue with you know the records he's breaking um, this one is a 70 year record now that Max has broken it and he has now 10 consecutive wins guys. I don't know when this is going to be broken again, uh, but he's on an Island by himself. Max is, 
it's an incredible achievement to Max. It's an incredible achievement to the team. So I know there's sometimes there's a little bit of fatigue because he keeps on winning every weekend, but it's an incredible achievement, okay? So we have to mention that, all right? And the final thing I'll mention, and this is just coming out of the weekend, but this is important to all the teams is, now, the FIA has released a new directive, okay? You know that um, the flex, the flexi wings issue is one that is the teams have been really watching closely. There are certain teams, I think Red Bull's one of them, but they're not by themselves that, you know, the other teams believe they're utilizing that flexi wing illegally. So there's now a directive passed starting from the Singapore GP. There is uh, tighter control on that, okay? So we'll see um, if that has any bearing on pace or not. We'll see how that goes. Well, folks, we have come to the conclusion of the Italian GP review. As always, I really appreciate you guys tuning in from every part of the globe. And as I always say, we have the Twitter TF1 podcast page. And I look forward to seeing you guys next time there's a race.